We are talking all prospects today with the play-by-play voice of the Charlotte Checkers, TJ Shalow, on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. On the day that the Panthers had their rookie camp in Coral Springs, we are going to bring in the play-by-play voice who is going to be able to witness these players on a day-to-day basis. We're going to talk about that more on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thursday, September 15th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez, and you can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On NHL and Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden. Will it be covering all the preseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, this is this is an this is an episode that I'm really really looking forward to uh, conduct today because this is the time of year where the rookie camp is going on, and then the prospect showcase for the Florida Panthers will be going on later this week. This year, last year, it was in Wesley Chapel in in the Tampa area. Now it's going to be in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And of course, geographically with the Florida Panthers being with their AHL affiliate in Charlotte and the prospect showcase going there and the person who sees them every day, it is a great opportunity for me to bring in the play-by-play voice of the Charlotte Checkers, TJ Shalot. TJ, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Armando, thanks for uh, letting me come on and talk some Checkers hockey with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. And I got, I got to say, I got, I got to ask you, um, what were, what were your, what were your biggest takeaways from the Charlotte Checkers uh, last season as, you know, there, there was a lot of up and down, up and down with the, with, with the roster as far as like who was being sent down from the Panthers and, and of course COVID happening uh, with the, with the shuffling of the schedule and then, of course, big trades and scouts being at games. What was your biggest takeaway from the previous season with the Checkers? You know, it, it was my first year with the Charlotte Checkers last year. So as I was kind of learning the ropes and I was going through the ups and the downs of figuring out everything about the American Hockey League and, and how I run the broadcast and things like that, it was also the first year, obviously, with the Checkers being affiliated with the Florida Panthers after not playing for an entire season. The Checkers were dormant during that 2019-20 season. They were one of the handful of teams that opted out of the American Hockey League season. So not only do you have an entire year where where they did not play in Charlotte, but to come out under a new affiliation the very next year with a dual affiliation. You got to remember Seattle Kraken also shared Charlotte as their AHL affiliate last year. So I think the thing that really stuck out, if I had to boil it down just to one point, it was how amazing the synergy with that team was considering all of those factors. The first year with a new affiliate, the, a dual affiliation, the fact that they didn't play the year before, there were so many moving parts added on to the normal AHL moving parts that you talk to players going up and down injuries, trades, you know, shuffling all of that stuff. So the one thing that really surprised me and that I was really 
honestly proud to say that I work for the Charlotte Checkers and I could say, hey, not only did we win the division last year, but we did it with all of these other outlying factors. And it really speaks volumes to the leadership in that locker room, to the leadership on the coaching staff as well, to get all those guys moving in the right direction and have such a good season. Yeah, and let, let's mention Jordy Kinnear as well for, for the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, go, has been with the organization with the Panthers since they were in Springfield since 2017 goes through the affiliate change this is the second year that was the second year in the row that the Florida Panthers affiliate was sharing with 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 another with them sharing with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Syracuse Crunch uh in the 2021 season as well so well it's it's been it's been a difficult ride for this uh Panthers organization um as as well that's for sure and it for as far as play, uh, as far as um, the 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 everyday and seeing certain certain players and players that are no longer here, uh, I want to go to someone like Cole Schwitt, who was part of the uh, Mackenzie Weger Jonathan Huberto uh, deal to bring Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers. had a had a great season in, in Charlotte, Charlotte last year. Uh, what what are you going to miss most about uh, Cole Schwitt? You know, I I think Cole was one of those emerging rookies last year. He was at the top of almost every category in terms of rookies. He led the team in rookie goals with 16. He was second on the team in rookie assists with 21. So he was a budding, emerging main player. And whether or not he would have been in Florida this year, if you could have made the roster out of training camp, or if he was going to start in Charlotte and really be one of the marquee guys well, we'll never really know now after that trade, but I honestly penciled him in as as a bubble guy as I'm doing my play by play prep before the trade. And I'm sitting here thinking, OK, who might be on this roster next year? I'm sitting there going, well, if Cole Schwinn is here, he's going to be a big player. You know, this is a guy that the cream's rising to the top and he's going to be a top six guy. And head coach Jordy Kinnear loved the way he played. He was so gritty and head coach Kinnear. He loves those guys that are gritty, who are determined, but yet they know how to have fun. And that's exactly what Cole Schwint was. He was a guy that went out there. He could play in every single scenario. We saw him score shorthanded. We saw him score on the power play. Uh, He was one of the guys five on five that had the best plus minus in all of the American Hockey League, just five on five. He was constantly contributing. Um, So Cole Schwint is certainly a piece that Calgary and their entire system is going to be very happy to have as part of that trade. And it just opens up another spot on this team for someone who might have been with the Checkers last year, or maybe it's one of these guys that's out there at the prospect tournament coming up this weekend that really emerges and maybe slides into what we can call the Cole Schwint role from last year and kind of take up his mantle. Yeah, and with the with the Anthony Duclair injury, right even before the trade happened, I was thinking that Cole Schwitt was going to be a, bu- a bubble player as well, th- thinking that he was going to get an opportunity uh, for, for the Panthers as well, at least in the beginning of the season. But one one of the most interesting players for, for the Checkers who had an, an injury-plagued season uh, last year in Grigor Denisenko, he's going to be another player who's who has a lot of eyes on him this upcoming uh training camp for for the panthers uh i i I think that there's a chance that he doesn't start the year in in charlotte it's certainly going to depend i think on how his rehab went 
over the off season and how much working out he got to do overseas and things along those lines. You know, it was really unfortunate to see him go down and miss half of the season with the injury that he had um, just because he was, he was really coming into his own and he started off real strong, started to kind of tail off a little bit by around November, early December, but then end of December, coincidentally, right when the team really started taking off as well, he was one of those main factors. He was a big cog in that machine that kind of kept everything going. And it, it was unfortunate to see him get injured, not only for us and, you know, not being able to see him out there to help contribute for the checkers. But like you said, I, I think if he would have had a full, completely healthy season and continued on the trend that he was trending at, he probably would have been an absolute no question starter up in Florida. So now this year we'll see, you know, he's a bubble guy. They might give him a chance if he did really well with his um, his rehab and he's feeling good and he can turn some heads and make some impacts. He very well could start up there in Florida at the NHL level. And if he doesn't, you know, for sure, he's going to be a big, big piece to the offensive puzzle down here to start the season in the American League. One person uh, also on the Charlotte Checkers who actually got a good workload uh, this season, um, Logan Hutsko. Uh, he's had he's had troubles with injuries as well um, in in college and at BC. But for his first year in the American Hockey League, playing seventy one games as well, um, and this is a guy that was considered that a lot of people thought that he slipped in the draft based on his uh, his, his his previous injuries. Uh, what, what was your impression on um, Logan Hutsko's first year in, in the A? Logan Hutsko started out with a bang. You know, he was one of the guys that was right there in the paint and making the best of his opportunities. And really, when you talk about the rookies last year, we mentioned Cole Schwint leading in goals, but it was Logan Hutsko who led the team in assists. He had 28 assists, so he's turning into a little bit of a playmaker. And the one thing that you can accredit that to is his vision on the ice, despite being a smaller guy. And I think that kind of lends itself to maybe his injury history. He's a little bit on the small side, kind of takes some bumps and bruises. He gets thrown into the boards pretty good now at this American Hockey League level. But he's able to see past that, and he's able to see the whole ice and make some plays. Despite the fact that he struggled scoring towards the end of the year last year, he was still consistently there to dish off a pass, to find a guy, to find an open patch of ice, and ultimately the puck was in the back of the net, and he had big contributions in that way. So I'm really looking forward this year to seeing him kind of build off of the first half of last year. I'd love to see him find that goal scoring touch that we saw glimpses of in the first half of that season, but at the same time, and maybe I'm asking for too much. I'd love to see him keep that playmaker ability that he has. And, you know, I don't want to see him sacrifice. He had 28 assists last season. I don't want to see him fall down to five assists and end up with, you know, 25 goals, although I'm sure he wouldn't mind that stat line at all, but I'd love to see him become a very, well-rounded offensive attacker, both getting the goals and getting the assists. But Logan Hutsko, you know, with that smaller frame, he's sneaky. He gets in behind the defenseman and they almost forget that he's there and he has a good amount of speed too. So, you know, if he gets kind of caught behind a play, if he needs to forecheck and get up there, he can. He's just got to turn on the Jets and go do it. An, an, a, a few, another player I want to talk about is uh, Spencer Knight. Uh Spencer Knight um, was mostly sent um, sent down the first time uh, in in December. Struggled a little bit on uh, on the NHL level. Um, that was really the beginning of every of the Omicron variant of COVID spreading, and of course NHL rosters and AHL rosters being as depleted as they were. 
and then immediately he was sent um, down uh, to Charlotte, struggle a little bit right out of the gate. And but the 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 final numbers for Spencer Knight in 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 those eleven games that he played, it might say two two ninety five GAA and a nine oh five save percentage, but. I think I think based on how it started, I think those numbers can be a little skewed, and I want to look more about like towards the middle of Spencer Knight of how he did in, in those games, especially bouncing back against the Bridgeport Islanders, um, who he faced multiple times. So, uh, what what were what, what were your impressions of uh, Spencer Knight during his during his little time there? Well, I can tell you this, that the team on the whole only had three shutouts all season long and two of them belonged to Spencer Knight. So that goes to tell you what kind of performance. And one of them was against Syracuse. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, it was early January during that Omicron variant, which I think honestly benefited him very well. The fact that Florida wasn't playing the best thing for a young goaltender. And I think anybody at the NHL level or anybody who who, who knows anything about hockey will tell you the more a goaltender can play, the better off they are, a young goaltender, you know, to really just hone their craft and get comfortable in the crease at that level. And I think that benefited him. The fact that he could come down, play in the American Hockey League. He didn't do great in that first start, but then again, he came out like a gangbuster. He's so composed, not only off the ice, but on the ice. He's not a guy that you're going to catch five feet outside of the crease because he's overreacting or over scrambling and over committing to one side or the other. He stays square to the puck. I even think of some of the goals that got, you know, by him, they were not just him whiffing at it with the glove and he just missed, or it wasn't because of, you know, poor angle or not challenging the shooter. You know, it was really just good team play on the other side coming in on two on ones or coming in with opportunities. So Spencer Knight, I think the more consistent time he gets at the NHL level, he's only going to be better as he continues to go. I know that, um, you know, Florida signed Andrew Hammond in the off season to a PTO. I think having veteran guys like that around are also going to help him because he's a sponge. We didn't see him too much. I didn't have the chance to interact with him all that much because he really wasn't down with Charlotte, uh, at least hanging around the team all that much because he just kind of came down and then boom, went right back up and then came down and boom, went right back up. Um, but he's a sponge, you know, he's constantly listening to the goaltending coach down here. It's Leo Luongo and just kind of tweaking his game a little bit just to be that much better. And the more he plays at the NHL level, the more consistent he's going to become and Honestly, in my opinion, he's the Florida Panthers goaltender of the future. He's just got to get to that level, and he's still young. You know, I, I think if anybody out there listening is an NFL fan, you hear about these quarterbacks that are drafted so high, number one overall, and they're thrown out there on teams that don't have great coaches, that don't have great tools to help them succeed, and then all of a sudden they flop. This is not that. This is Spencer Knight just needs to get in some reps. The more opportunities he has – the more solid he's going to become. And we all know how well the Florida Panthers are built around him. So he has the tools around him to succeed. He just needs the opportunity. Yeah. And who, who knows what the split is going to be this season on the NHL level um, as, as well for, for Sergey Bobrovsky and uh, Spencer Knight. We're going to talk more of, about the, the checkers and day one of uh, rookie camp and some of the uh, quotes behind uh, rookie camp. We're going to talk about that next year on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. 
BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including M- MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thursday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I have Charlotte Checkers play-by-play voice TJ Shalo here on the show. And to, um, Wednesday was day one of the rookie camp for the Florida Panthers. And w- one person that was that was spoken about was uh, Justin Sordiff, who is going to be a newcomer for the Charlotte Checkers this year. Um, after playing in the WHL last season for uh, Vancouver and Edmonton uh, and playing one game in the first uh, edition of the World Juniors didn't didn't play in the second uh, after getting a an injury in the development camp and he was asked about his uh, his his health and he said he's 100 percent health uh, health wise he so he he's all good he says so this is a player I think this is the player that I'm one of the newcomers that I'm looking forward to most. What What are your thoughts on uh, Justin Sordiff coming in in his first uh, year in, in Charlotte? Yeah, just uh, listening to head coach Jordy Kinnear down there in Florida, or excuse me, down there in Raleigh today, you know, Sordiff is a guy he's very excited about. You could see him light up just a little bit. He's a gritty guy. He's determined. He had a good day today, from my understanding. He put a couple pucks in the back of the net, so he he made a real good showing. And I know the team is just as excited as I'm sure Justin is to to get him here to the American Hockey League and see him bloom. But I think he's going to be one of those pieces. You know, there's there's not a lot of rookies coming in that you can kind of I don't want to call him a blue chip rookie, but He's the kind of guy that you put your bookmark on and you go, that's that's the kind of guy that I want to watch, similar to what a Cole Schwint was last year. Um, he's kind of got that same kind of, I don't want to call it pressure, but importance to this team because any good American Hockey League team has a great balance of veteran players and the up-and-comers. And Sordiff is really the up-and-comer of the up-and-comers of guys that aren't already here in Charlotte. And speaking of veterans, uh, we have the Charlotte Checkers have a few older older guys being uh, part of the team. Of course, Zach Dalby, the captain, he was on the team uh, last the last season. There, a lot of great things have been said about Zach Dalby, but also some of the other players who are gonna be here for the first time. Uh, Alex Lyon, who won a a Calder Cup championship with the uh, with the Chicago Wolves, and then you have a few players like Anthony Batetto and and uh and michael delzato uh who coming in like these are guys who are in their early 30s about mentorship what what's your what's your how are you seeing these guys as possible as as possible mentors to the young guys in charlotte well, I can't necessarily speak to Michael Delzato. I haven't had the privilege to meet him yet. I'm sure I will once the season you know, gets going and those guys get to Charlotte. But I can talk about Zach Dalpy. I saw it all last season. He's the consummate leader on the ice, and all he wants to do is compete and win and continue to play this game. And when you put up you know, 30 goals like he put up last season, he had a great year, and he's on the plus side of 30 years old. So not only can he get it done on the ice, he gets it done in the locker room as a leader. He makes sure you know he was one of those guys that 
that made sure that that culture was as phenomenal as it was last year, despite the fact that you've got Seattle Kraken and Florida Panthers contracted players floating in and out and going up and down. It's it's not an easy task to ask a captain to keep the room and to keep just everything on an even keel. And Dalpy is that guy. You know, he really relishes his role as a mentor. He loves to teach those young guys. I mean, he almost takes them under his wing. He's got three young boys of his own. And I think he kind of looks at some of the, uh, some of the players in the locker room as kind of like his stepkids in a way, he really relishes that role, taking them under his wing and teaching. And they all seem to be receptive of it because everybody wants to grow. So when you talk about guys like him, that's exactly the type of player he is. And I can talk about Alex Lyon as well. Alex and I uh, were both in Lehigh Valley back in 2015, 16. I was just an intern at that time. He was a rookie coming into the league. And now here we are, the shoes on the other foot. He's a veteran and it's his turn to go ahead and kind of bring those young goalies up. And when you look at his situation that he had last year in Chicago, you almost thought that Carolina, he's their number one call up. Uh, but then they have that young Russian phenom that comes in and he kind of blows the doors off the American Hockey League. And now all of a sudden he's the number one call up. So he's been through a little bit of adversity. He's certainly played more American Hockey League games than he has in the NHL, but he doesn't let that get to him. So he will be a big, important piece, much like Christopher Gibson was for the Charlotte Checkers last year. You know, another veteran goaltender who helps bring up these younger guys in the case of Joey Decord or Evan Fitzpatrick. Uh, last season and Fitzpatrick could be in Charlotte again this year as well or Matt Guzda if he ends up landing a roster spot with the checkers but I think Alex Lyon's going to be a very important piece of that back end and then you talk about other guys who you know on the blue line uh, a guy I look at who's still rather young um, but in comparison sake because the blue line is kind of depleted but a guy that's going to be looked at as a, as a leader, as a role model, a guy that understands the system, knows how head coach Jordy Kinnear likes to play is Matt Kirstead. This is a guy that made his NHL debut last year in that uh, game in December against L.A. where it seemed like half of the roster was Charlotte Checkers, Hepo Niemi, and some other guys all getting out there and getting in some action. But I look at Matt Kearsett, he's he Look, this will be his second season uh, with the Charlotte Checkers, and he's not an old guy by any means, but because of how things just shuffled out, he's going to be one of the veteran leaders, and he's another guy that really relishes that role of being able to help, being able to communicate and really teach the system and teach not only the Charlotte Checker way of playing hockey, but the Florida Panther way of playing hockey. Yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, you have a whole bunch of different sites that that ranks uh, – different farm systems where they, where they are, uh, you know, as far, and there's only so much that a ranking can say about, about players being, being down there. And of course there's different variables to a, to a farm system ranking, of course, uh, draft assets as well, um, given up as well uh, for, for the Panthers. It's gonna, it's, they're, they're going to have to really nail the, these players coming up from the Charlotte, um, Charlotte checkers, they're going to have to really uh, get their um, get things well on the development side of things. Uh, as far as, as far as which, which is the player, which is the player from the Charlotte checkers that spent most of their time last season with the checkers. Who do you expect not to be there? Not necessarily much longer, but spend more time on the NHL side. 
you know, I think we already talked about Gregor Denisenko, and that might be the easy layup. Uh, but aside from him, maybe Alexi Heponiemi. You know, this is a guy that got a taste last year of the NHL and seemed to perform pretty well in the handful of games that he got. But he's certainly ready to turn the corner in terms of his playmaking ability. He's another guy that can score from almost anywhere. He excels on the power play as well. He's got some speed. He's a little bit like Hutzko on the smaller side, but he, you know, he's a little thin. We'll see if he bulked up this offseason, if he had the opportunity to put on a couple of pounds. But even if he didn't, I don't think it's going to hold him back. I think that he is just on the cusp of being considered a full-time NHL player. He's going to be one of those bubble guys as well. Uh, whether he starts in Charlotte, starts in Florida, we'll find out here soon. But I do think that if he does start in Charlotte, the first handful of call-ups might include his name. Yeah, and, that, and that's what, and that's definitely what a lot, of, a lot of are are hoping uh, here. But we're gonna we're gonna uh, transition over to segment number three, where we're gonna talk about the, the a specific night in the in the AHL season last last season. We're gonna discuss that next here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. We're back here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast here on a Thursday, um, September 15th edition. I'm Armando Velez. I got TJ Shalow here, play-by-play voice of the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, And one thing I really want to discuss, because there's only so much that I can can read from, from tweets on Twitter, about the as as the trade deadline is getting closer and scouts are going to different a- AHL games in order to get get a feel of 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 how a player looks in person and of course Owen Tippett was sent down last season and really thrived in the in in the games that he had in the AHL I remember uh thinking th- this uh, and saying this is a guy who's going to even even if he's no longer on the Florida Panthers organization um whether it's a team that's rebuilding um or or the team that's middle of the pack, he's going to have a consistent. Um, I feel like that he's going to have a consistent NHL role at, at at least. And I want to I want to ask you about the night that that uh, when the Flyers scouts were in the building watching uh, Owen Tippett, and um, and then of course those tweets were uh, were of course Panthers Twitter went a little a little nuts that that night. Uh, what, what was the energy in the building like when, when it was known that the, the Flyers scouts were in the building uh, looking at Owen Tippett? I think it was a little bit more prominent uh, than normally uh, because you got to realize this is the American Hockey League. There's scouts there every single night from opening night all the way up until after the trade deadline even. I mean, they're always there not only checking out their own prospects, but checking out, see what other teams have and who might become a free agent, who they might be able to scoop up and you know be a bottom line guy at the NHL. So you see that a lot. I mean, I think uh, games that we had in March after the deadline in Texas, there were uh, or right before the deadline, I should say, you know, there were, there were teams from all over the place, but that particular game, you know, the rumblings were out there. Owen Tippett to Philly, Claude Giroux coming down uh, to Florida. It was there, you know, and at that time, I think Tippett was the prospect for the Florida Panthers that was touchable. I don't, you know, I, I think the Philly fans would love to have gotten Spencer Knight, but that's not happening. You know what I mean? Things along those lines. Tippett was, you know, he was certainly looked at and he had performed well when he was in the American Hockey League with the checkers. He was easily the most noticeable guy out there on the ice. And it's not only because of his flowing red hair. It was just because of the way he skated, the way he, you know, shrugged off hits. He was very offensively minded. He found the back of the net more 
than a handful of times. And honestly, he was a big key to the checkers kind of, you know, their season really took off in late December, early January, and just skyrocketed from there. And he had a big hand in it. So did Spencer Knight. So did everybody on the roster kind of gelled and kind of all came together. But it was a little different um, because you knew why they were there. You know, like I said, you're, you're always used to seeing scouts that come and want to get credentialed from a myriad of NHL teams. They want to check things out that's nearby. And you always know that that's there, but you never know why they're there. Are they just there because they want to spend a Friday night in Charlotte or, you know, and they figure they can get some work done while they're there or, you know, are they looking at somebody and you knew exactly who they were looking at. And on the flip side, you know, it gave the Florida Panthers the opportunity to also check out that game against Lehigh Valley. Not only was Owen Tippett in the game, but it got the Florida Panthers brass, the opportunity to check out Garman Rubsov and Connor Bunneman, both of whom ultimately ended up coming to the Charlotte Checkers and helped us out in our playoff run. Bunneman still on the roster and expected to be in Charlotte this season. Rubsov, an unrestricted free agent. But, you know, it, it was definitely a little bit different just simply because of the fact that you knew who they were looking at. It, there was no mystery behind it. No cloud. Yeah. And the and of course, it, apparently it was known for weeks that that, of course, Claude Drew using his leverage that that the that the 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 ball was in Philly's hands really to like look at who they who they want really at that time uh, the Panthers the Panthers had all the leverage at that point during during uh, the trade um, I also want I also want to get into the postseason for for the Charlotte Checkers of course get a first round by uh, and and end up uh, losing to their old affiliate in in the Springfield Thunderbirds uh talk about the talk about really the the playoff run that was for the checkers uh defeating the Bridgeport Islanders as well before uh being bounced out in round three it was certainly unique you know having that first round buy is we had the same questions as a lot of teams have when it's a seven game series and one team sweeps in four and the other team goes to seven. You know, is there going to be that team that swept in four? Is there going to be rust? Are they going to be a little sluggish? Are they going to be slow off the blocks to start? So we were a little worried about that uh, going into Bridgeport, a team that played us very tough all season long. I mean, when I look at our records against Bridgeport, I think we split the season four and four against the Islanders. So it was, you know, even though Bridgeport came in and they were a lower seed, they had the momentum after knocking off Hershey, I believe, in the uh, series beforehand. They've got a lot of momentum. We've been kind of sitting stagnant, you know, for a good week and a half, two weeks, having not played. The one good thing for us is we clinched the division on our final game that we played. So we did have a little bit of momentum riding right into that bye. So you kind of look at it and hope that it can last to get you all the way through the bye. You know, it's not like they clinched a month out and they were just riding the waves, hanging out up top and then went into the bye week. So we did have a lot of questions about, you know, what that series would look like, but the checkers turned it on and that series looked a lot different in my eyes than any of the regular season games between Bridgeport and Charlotte, simply because the checkers, they came to play, not saying that they didn't during the regular season, but you could tell there was just an added intensity in those playoffs and their talent started to rise to the top. They started to really find open patches of ice. They were playing to the game plan the way that they were supposed to. They really minimized mistakes and they did away with Bridgeport with relative ease. I mean, they did, you know, make it a little bit interesting there. 
was a three game series ended up coming back to Charlotte for one game and checkers ended up getting that victory. But then when you went into Springfield, that was a matchup that was very reminiscent of the games against the Thunderbirds during the regular season. Springfield was a very difficult team for Charlotte all year long at the beginning you know, Springfield was a very strong team and Charlotte was still trying to find their way, the dual affiliation and find their identity. First year of Florida, blah, 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 all that stuff. You know, It takes time before you can gel and really get moving forward. Springfield, they were hot off the blocks right out of the gate. So they did away with Charlotte relatively easy in the first two months. But then again, when the checkers season started to take off that late December time period that I keep talking about, I was really excited to see them play Springfield because I was like, okay, now it's a fair fight. You know, now we've got two teams, both head of steam rolling in the right direction. I want to see what ends up happening. I think they ended up splitting those, but the checkers did end up losing the season series to Springfield. I think two, four, one, and one, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, So they did end up losing the regular season series. And we saw a lot of the same things that happened during the regular season happen in the playoffs. You know, Springfield was just a little bit faster. Springfield was a little bit heavier with their hits. They got control of the puck in dangerous areas. They found and exploited the weaknesses in the defense and Springfield just looked like the much better team. And they did away with the checkers in that series. And ultimately, as we found out, went on to the Calder cup and lost to Alex Lyon and the Chicago wolves in the Calder cup finals. So um, it was, um, it was a tale of two matchups. You know, I think Charlotte was clearly the better team in the Bridgeport matchup. And I think Springfield was clearly the better team and just stronger all around they had the help of guys like sam annis who's no longer there james neal the real deal was down there helping out um so they they got great goaltending too from joel hofer uh and it just it was something that the checkers couldn't just couldn't surmount Mm. now it's a new season for for the for the checkers there's a lot of new faces uh expected to be there one of them coming from Finland and Anton Levchi, who played for who played for the affiliate the um, the team that Alexander Barkov uh, co-owns, and there's also Evan Evan Noss as well, defenseman Nathan Stales, who I kind of look at his picture, he kind of looks like Mackenzie Weger a little bit. I I, <laughs> I I I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks that, but I, I'm sure I'm sure somewhere out there people people do. Uh, and and of course, like who who are who are the who are the players that you are. Uh, li- who is like that one player? I know we talked about Justin sort of earlier, but who's the another player like as far as the new guys who are who you're looking forward uh, to watching this season? I don't know if this counts. It might be a cop out of a response, but Patrick Giles is a guy that I'm very excited about. He was with the checkers last season. He played a handful of games with the checkers towards the end of the year, but I felt he brought something that the team was missing um, all year long. And that was a big, heavy, physical presence he's not a guy he's not a maniac you know that's running around and taking people's heads off that kind of way but he's very stout he's like a tree he's so hard to move he brought a little bit of that heavy he's you know he's well over six foot three six foot four i think and just 230 40 pounds like he's just a big all-around 
just block of muscle. And I thought that the checkers needed that. You know, they had plenty of height. Alexander True was 6'5". Sarah Noel is 6'5". But those guys really didn't have the thickness. You know, they didn't really have the bulk uh, to just kind of go in and mix it up and, and implode right in front of the goaltender. And Giles brought a little bit of that. And I thought it was very fun. I thought it was a little bit of a touch of an older school style of player. And I'm looking forward to him coming up and, and seeing what he can do as a full-time player, not just kind of filling in uh, here and there on the fourth line, depending on injuries and where the checkers might need him. But another guy, if, if, if that was a cop-out answer, I'll give you another one. Ethan Keppen. This is a guy that was a fourth round draft pick by Vancouver back in 2019. He loves to shoot the puck. I mean, this guy will just throw the puck on net no matter where he is. And he too brings a little bit of that physicality. So I'm excited to see what he brings. It's a guy that has a little bit of AHL experience. He's got 18 games played in the American hockey league. I think he played 11 with Abbotsford last year and he had seven or eight, maybe with Utica uh, the year before. So he kind of has an understanding of the American hockey league game. It'll be great to see him down at the prospect tournament as well, because we'll see how he picks up the Florida Panthers style of play. And when I was listening to Jordy Kinnear and his presser today after uh, their first day at prospect camp, the true goal of these prospect camps is to teach its education. It's to teach them the Florida Panthers way. So it'll be nice to see some of these guys that maybe have played in other AHL teams. Cause I think there's two guys on the prospect tournament that have some AHL experience, not counting the guys that already played with Charlotte, but that are coming in from other organizations. It'll be nice to see if they can translate their skills into the Florida Panthers style. And then when they get to Charlotte, can they expand on that? And can they go from, you know, just this budding little rosebud, if you will, into something that blooms open and a big player in the NHL. And, and Jordy Kinnear uh, being, being there for a while, we, um, we spoken about, we spoke about it earlier and him getting an extension as well is, is just uh, starting to show the, and of course, uh, re- results have a lot to do with with what with him getting his his extension, getting all the way uh, to round three, and of course the communication as well between what he's going to tell new uh, Panthers head coach uh, Paul Maurice as well about how they're looking in the practices, how they're how they're walking in and out of the locker room as well. So that 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 I think that's a that's a really big factor of of of, of I'm not sure how many I, with the Panthers of course this season. With they where they are at the on the cap, they they signed a lot of one year deals, like one ish million million dollars, um, and a lot of two way contracts. So the amount of the amount of transactions that might happen back and forth this specific year, they there there might not be as much for for the for the checkers and the Panthers as much as as much as previous years. But that communication is so important between Jordy Kinnear and Paul Maurice uh, uh, this season, especially on the for the roster bubble players. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think at the American Hockey League level, it's even more important that you have consistency. Sometimes, you know, especially at the head coaching position, than you do at the NHL. Sometimes, because I think by the time that most of those guys get to the NHL, yeah, they they always still want to get better, and they might have a little bit more room for improvement. But they certainly don't have the room for improvement that some of these raw guys have down at the American Hockey League level. And sometimes a guy could come in so raw. 
it really depends on what team they land with in the AHL that could determine if they're going to be an NHL player or not. I mean, it goes back to my football analogy where I talk about, you know, these quarterbacks that get drafted really high. If they're on a team that has no weapons to help them succeed, they could fizzle out and we'll never hear from them again. But if they would have gotten drafted by another team that, you know, had the coaching and had the support staff, they could be, you know, the next Tom Brady. If he would have, you know, gone to any other team, would he have been the Tom Brady of Tom Brady's that we know? And I think the same thing could be said at the American Hockey League level with your coach. And that consistency, I think Florida recognizes that. They also recognize how good of a job head coach Jordy Kinnear does with not only the young guys, but also the veterans here in Charlotte. And I think we saw that by way of that extension that they offered head coach Kinnear. And it's just one of those things where they want to keep that consistency. There's good communication there. And all of the guys that seemingly have been going up to Florida, they look ready, you know, in the sense that at least they are intelligent enough and educated enough about the Florida Panthers style of hockey and how they want to play the game. You know, whether or not that translates or if they need to grow into their shoes a little bit, well, they'll find out as they start to get practice. But we talked about Spencer Knight coming down. I think that's a perfect example. You, Spencer Knight, they had no problem sending down here knowing that head coach Kinnear, Leo Luongo, the goaltending coach, they work with him and they're going to make sure that when he does go back up to the NHL, he is ready. At least educationally, he knows the right thing to do. Whether or not he does it, that's going to depend on talent to a certain extent and depend on his teammates and how well he practices and things like that. But it really is that consistency in the American Hockey League head coaching position. It's not something that you constantly want to turn over year after year after year because it's only going to hurt you down the line it's only going to hurt the pipeline you're not going to be able to have guys that are ready to go and pull them up at a, you know because of a big injury and just make a phone call you're going to pull up someone who's not ready who doesn't understand the system who just is kind of lost out there so it, it head coach Kinnear he really does the way he coaches the guys, you know, he's hard nosed. He doesn't know nonsense from anybody, but he'll be the first one. If you do a good job, he'll be the first one to tell you. If you don't do a great job, he'll be the first one to tell you. He likes those guys that are gritty, that are responsible, that are determined and who want to have fun and who want to be there. And I think that's something that the Florida Panthers recognize. And that's why he got the extension and why he gets all the responsibility and the pressure of developing some of these young guys that are, could very well be very expensive pieces to the Florida Panthers puzzle in years up in the future. Yeah. And also, I also think about how, how players are viewed based on statistics as well in, in the American hockey league specifically when in, in the, in the a specific um, in the a, when, when a player has a certain amount of like numbers and it doesn't necessarily align with the games played or whether it's uh, averaging half a half a point per game or even three quarters of a point per game, but even, or even a point per game. Um, that's not, it's, it's, that's also not what that if it's not always about the results of the, of the game, the final score as well. It's about how also about how they're moving off the puck. How are they, how are the, uh, their effort in the board battles? And sometimes, sometimes, we um fans as well can um even myself can sometimes get lost in the numbers is like what is he doing off the off the puck or even in the practices before they get to the nhl level yeah and you'll hear head coaches talk about the word intangibles all the time and it's those intangibles that really will make or break a player obviously at the nhl the stats they carry a little bit more weight right like if you're not get if you're if you have no stats at the nhl 
you're going to get surpassed by a hundred other guys. But in the, you know, the American Hockey League, the stats aren't the full picture because Mm -hmm. the, the margin between the absolute best player in the American Hockey League and the absolute worst player is much greater than in the NHL. The absolute best and the absolute worst are a lot closer. And that's where the numbers come in to really show you night and day and show you the differences. Whereas, you know, you could look at the absolute worst player in the American Hockey League and he could have, you know, a plus minus of plus 13, but he hasn't found the back of the net yet and has very few uh, assists. So he's not really getting points, but he's got a plus 13. And you could look at the best player in the American Hockey League and he could have all the numbers in the world, but he could have a bad attitude or he could, you know, like you said, what's he doing away from the puck? Maybe he's lazy in those board battles or maybe he doesn't back check or whatever it might be. Maybe that's why he has all these goals is because he never back checks and he just kind of hangs out in the neutral zone. Oh, breakaway. And he puts it in the back of the net. Look, teams will take that to a certain extent, but if that's not the type of gameplay that you're trying to just instill in your organization. If that's not the style of play that you're trying to make happen, well, then that guy's never going to get promoted. You know, a, a guy like head coach Jordy Kinnear, and I would never want to put words in his mouth, but I, I find it very hard to believe that he would ever want to vouch for a guy like that and say, here, Florida, have this guy who has a whole bunch of goals, but really doesn't ever back check or play the game the way we want him to. But because he's got good numbers here, have him. So I think that's where it's a lot of gray lines when it comes to numbers in the American hockey league, just because you led the league in scoring or just because you led the league in assists or goals against average doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready for the NHL and that your skills are going to translate. Absolutely. And that, and I think that's a really uh, great, great place to, to end this um, TJ. I, I, I'm, I'm really thankful that you were able to come on this edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Thank you for uh, talking about the season that was for the checkers and everything uh, as far as the day one of rookie camp, the upcoming prospect showcase and the and the season that is for the, the Charlotte checkers coming up. So uh, tell everybody where they can follow you and your work online. Well, Armando, thanks for having me once again. And you can find me on Twitter at TJ underscore C-H-I-L-L-O-T. Kind of looks like chill out. There's just no you in there. At TJ underscore C-H-I-L-L-O-T. And then, of course, the Charlotte Checkers are on AHL TV all season long, starting one month from yesterday on the 14th. So get your AHL TV subscriptions. You can just go to AHLTV.com. I think it's only 159 bucks for the entire season, but that way you can keep up with all the Florida Panthers prospects every single night. Tune in. You can watch games on demand and see how maybe your next favorite player might be doing down here in the American Hockey League. But those are the two best ways to get a hold of us. And of course, you can always follow the Charlotte Checkers on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those social medias. Just search Charlotte Checkers. You'll find us. There's only one and only Charlotte Checkers. Thank you so much, uh, TJ, and I hope to have you back soon. Absolutely. Thanks again, Armando. And if you like what you subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast and YouTube feed. Thank you once again for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Locked On Experts give you a 30-minute daily podcast on all things NHL. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Sarmar Mondo Velez with TJ Shalot. 
and you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.